You are listening to the Life Church Podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our life crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Micah Beckwith. Every other faith says you've got to do something to get to the God or the gods of that faith. But the Christian faith, there's a God who saw you, recognized there's nothing you could do in your own strength to save yourself. And he stepped off of his throne in glory and he came for you because he loved you that much. What other God has removed everything? He said, he said I'm going I'm to lay my, 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 my throne aside. I'm going to step off it, come down in the form of a baby on that very first Christmas to be the sacrifice for you. And that's what the nativity, that's what the birth of Jesus is all about. It's God coming to rescue you. He's coming for you because he loves you that much. Our response has to be to then put God in the center of our lives. That's what the picture of the birth of Jesus is all about. We see that in the nativity. Nativity just means someone's birth. It's the occasion of somebody's birth. You can, so you can drive through uh, you know, the, 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 the communities of, of central Indiana and you can see a nativity out in the lawn. You can see nativities in the, in the town squares. You can see all of these things that are focusing on Jesus. And really, when you talk about the nativity, we're, we're focusing on that manger right there. We're focusing on the baby that lied in that manger because it's all about Jesus. Now, before we go into what the nativity really symbolizes, let's open up our Bibles, if you have it. Turn to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read about that very first Christmas story. And the shepherds who were reading this uh, for us earlier. Well, didn't you like the shepherds and the angels? Wasn't that amazing, right? Those kids have been practicing a lot for, for this, so uh, they, they did an amazing job. But what they were doing is they were echoing Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2, and we're just going to read this, the birth of our Savior, what, what actually happened according to the Word of God. Now in those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, which also means the house of bread. Because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him, and she was great with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in the manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people." For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels had gone away into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. 
And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they heard and seen, just as it had been told them. And that's the picture of the birth of our Savior. And if you've been here the last few weeks at Life Church, we've been talking about taking that message of the nativity to a dark, dark world. There's a hopeless world out there. There's a dark world. But you have the light of Jesus. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the light is in your heart. It is your job to go just as the shepherds did and declare what they've seen. So that's what the whole, the whole point of the nativity picture is. It's God loved you that much to bring his light into the world. He's planted it in your heart, and now you have the light in you to go and take to the, to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the story of Christmas. Now, we've seen nativities all over the world, and, and we've got some, uh, some great nativities here. This is a, a classic na- uh, nativity. You see this uh, in, uh, in Italy when you go to Rome. There's one, uh, this, is, this is a Senegal uh, a nativity. Uh, if you like food, um, there's even a bacon nativity. Okay, so uh, this was kind of a, you know, hot dogs. That was kind of weird, but I thought, you know, hey, it's, you know, Jesus is right there in the manger, right in the center where he should be, right? And then you've got the classic European nativity that we see here, and this baby Jesus is in the center. Now, the first known nativity was, was created by, that we know of, by St. Francis of Assisi in the year 1223, 1223. And when he created, he went into the town and he created a live manger scene. He brought in animals and he became so overwhelmed with passion and with emotion that he couldn't even say the name of Jesus because he was so in awe of what God had done on that very first Christmas night when he saw the nativity for the first time. He just began to just weep. And I pray that That as we look at the nativity tonight, it would cause our hearts to do the same thing. When we center it around Christ, when it becomes the one thing that it's all centered around, that it would cause our hearts to become emotional and say, Lord, how can I put you in the center? How can I make my heart a place where you are in the center? And that's the question we want to ask you today is, is Jesus in the center? And I, I, I brought my nativity here. Well, actually, you know what? It's not really my nativity. It's a plethora a collection from my home that I did not tell my wife I was going to take. Uh, and, and it wasn't, you know, it was hard to find a nativity that was big enough to where it was. It wasn't like a lawn-sized nativity, you know, where it's, the, the pieces are this big. But it was big enough to sit on here that you would be able to see. So what I did was, bear with me, I just got a bunch of different pieces that I think represent what we're trying to represent. So uh, let me see here. Um, Okay, the first, we've got baby Jesus right here, okay, right? So this is pretty good. You guys can see that, right? Okay? And, and this actual hay or something that's falling out, making a mess, okay? Then we got Mary and Joseph. Now, this is on our uh, coffee table. These are on our coffee table, uh, and they always fall over. Like, Brody will kick a soccer ball and just knock Joseph over. I mean, these things do not stay up and for whatever reason. So hopefully they stay up here. But you have Mary and Joseph. Now, um, I was trying to find wise men that you can see, and I found some. My wife had them just beautifully displayed on our mantle. They're not there anymore. And I accidentally, I think, um, we've got a couple of these here. So these, these gold ones, they don't really go. But, and then this one kind of broke, but uh, my wife's back there. So, uh, so yeah, I don't think she's watching. It's fine. So, okay. 
All right, so, so we're going to put the Wiseman right there, okay? And then, uh, and then we got, okay, so I went to Hobby Lobby. This is as big of a, a nativity scene as I could find, okay? So this is the shepherd. So just know the shepherd right here. If you're in the back, I'm sorry. You probably can't really see it. That's fine. We're going to put the shepherd right there. there. There are little sheep. I know it's hard to see the sheep, so I brought something else. Now, I didn't have actual sheep. I was looking around my house, but what I did find were, um, were golden reindeer, okay? So we're going to... We're going to use those to represent the sheep. All right. Okay. Now, bear with me. I'm going somewhere with this. All right. Okay. Now, a proper nativity looks, okay, not like this, but you, the idea looks something like this. Jesus is in the center. That's the proper nativity. Okay. Jesus is in the center where he should be. Jesus is, is when you put him in the center, things start working the way that you want him to work. The world clicks. Now, it doesn't mean the world's always going to be easier, but it means that you're going to have purpose, and the promise that God has given you is that you're going to have life, and life more abundantly. How many of you would like life more abundantly? I know I would. And when Jesus is in the center, you get that life that you've been desperately trying to accomplish and achieve your whole, your whole existence. It clicks. However, many times, even in the Christian walk, we tend to do this. We tend to take Jesus, and we tend to put him maybe over here. He's still on the mantle or on the, the platform, but maybe we'll, um, we'll move the shepherd into the middle, okay? So we'll put the shepherd. Now, the shepherd represents work, okay? Can you see that back there, kind of? No, not really? All right, okay. The little guy represents work, all right? The shepherds were hard workers. Now, how often do we, and I, I'm guilty of this too. I'm preaching to myself here tonight, church, but, but how often do we put our work in the center. Jesus is still part of our life, but not at the center. We say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to put you over here. I've really got to focus on my work. I think there's a lot of us that do that. I think it's very easy to do that. And you know what? Work's a good thing. God created work. Even before Adam and Eve sinned and the world was perfect, God had still given Adam and Eve work to do in the Garden of Eden. Work's good. It's always been good. It always will be good. You know you'll have jobs even in the new heaven and new earth. You're not just going to have wings and fly around and sing, you know, songs, right? Even though we saw that a little bit here. A couple, some people had wings, all right? Jake had wings right up there, okay? <laughs> Looked like the wings were in my office for the last couple of days, and we did a, a podcast, Nathan and I did a podcast, and we had the, the state um, uh, comptroller, you know, she's, she's high up in state leadership. She comes into our office, she sees a huge set of wings just laying on the chair there, and she's like, what is this church all about? I'm like, that's our Christmas program, really. I did not, I did not kill an eagle, okay? Says, please, please do not turn me in. All right. So, but our work can become the center. Now, sometimes it's not work, so we're going to put the shepherd back here. Sometimes it's all of the things that fame and wealth and popularity and power bring. And we could say the wise men represent all of that. You know, these were the kings. They were the kings from the east that came to give Jesus the, the honor he so richly deserved. And they came, but some, you know, good, they were good kings. They, were, they saw what God was doing, and they, they wanted to honor the king of kings and lord of lords. So they came, but sometimes we put them, we put that in the middle. I mean, how often do we go after power? Do we go after success, fame, fortune, popularity? I mean, I think we can, we can look at our culture and say there are many people that have made the wise men, the center of their existence. You know, Timothy says this in, in Scripture, 
Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says this to Timothy. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all what we need for our enjoyment. And that's, God's a good God. Again, like I said earlier, he sees you, he knows you, he wants to bless you. He has the power to just richly just, uh, just pour his blessings out on you, but you need to take his hand. You need to put him at the center for that to, to work the way that, you know, it's kind of like a boat. When someone who creates a boat, you know, the creator of the boat has the idea that a boat's going to go into the water and it has to work. But I've seen boats sitting on trailers. Can you imagine if someone were to buy a boat and not really know what the, the boat was intended to do and they see all these boats on trailers in the lot? And they're thinking, well, I guess we just hook it to the back of our car and drag it around and we can ride on it in the trailer. You'd be like, that's not what the boat was created to do. Put it in the water and then you get to go have a good time. Well, it's the same thing with our lives. God created us to be in communion with him, to be in relationship with him. When you put us in that spiritual water where we were designed to be, it just clicks. But often we move Jesus out and put in things at the center that shouldn't be there. And then maybe, maybe we'll say uh, Joseph and Mary. Maybe they represent family. So we're moving them here. Family's a great thing. I love my family. But how often do we make our family the center of our lives? I'm telling you, the family is, that's probably the biggest thing in the church world where I see becomes an idol. Becomes something where, where people say, well, I've got to put my family first. Where in Scripture does God say to put your family first? He says put him first. Now, he, he calls us to be good parents and to be good children and to make sure that our family is being taken care of, absolutely. But he never calls us to put the family on the throne. But yet, in church world and Christendom all across this world, we see family, especially in, in America, we see family taking the throne of our lives often. And then finally, the sheep. Okay, the reindeer, all right? The golden reindeer, okay, I know, but you, know, you get the idea, okay? Some, we'll put these in the center. Now, maybe this represents the pleasures of life. Okay, all of the things that we like to do. Maybe it's, uh, you know, our, our, our kids' um, travel soccer team or your golf game or your, uh, your, you know, your vacations. Whatever it is that b- brings you great pleasure and joy, we'll say that represents the sheep or the golden reindeer represent that. Boy, I see many people, myself included, who very easily can put that at the center of our lives. You're living for the weekend. You're living for the next vacation. You're living just to get through this work week, make the money so that you can go and have a good time. Boy, that doesn't bring fulfillment. If you've ever been there, if you've ever tried to live life where that's bringing fulfillment, you're going to be disappointed. I mean, look at all the, look at all the hip-hop songs that say, more money, more problems, right? <laughs> look at all the, the famous celebrities who have all the pleasures of life and yet still end up taking their own lives because they, don't, they, haven't, they still haven't found what they're looking for. That's what the sheep represent. When they're in the middle, it doesn't work. You have to put Jesus where he belongs in your life if you want that abundant life. And you know what? We're all, I said it a few weeks ago when I was preaching. We're all preachers. You know, a good preacher is just somebody that encourages others to put Jesus in the center of their lives. You get to be a preacher. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I'm a preacher now. (laughs) You are. 
If you know what Jesus has done for you and you put him into the center of your life, then it's your job now to go out and tell others what Jesus can do for them and to put Jesus in the center of their lives. That's what makes a good preacher. And you know what? The Bible is full of examples about making the major thing the major thing. And we see this in the New Testament over and over and over again. The New Testament really is, a, is, a, is an amazing letter given to you and I so that we can learn how to practically put God at the center of our life. Colossians. If you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians uh, chapter 1. And I want to pull out a, a passage of Scripture that just highlights God being supreme in your life. Starting in verse 15, we see this. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, speaking of Jesus. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Now how does this work? How is God, Jesus, and Jesus God? Well, if you've been here at any, any amount of time when I've talked about who Jesus is, Jesus is God's word spoken out with flesh on. All things have been created by what? The word of God. How did God create the world? He spoke it into existence. Well, guess what? The Word is Jesus Christ with flesh on. So when you understand Jesus being the Word of God, He is everything God is because He's the spoken Word. If I spoke out and I said, hey, hey, Pete, Pete Jarvis, right down here, I'm going to pick on you, okay? I love you, man. I love you. And I really do. How do you know I love you? Because I just told you I love you. It's my Word going to you. God's Word is His love language to you and I. It's the same thing. So when God spoke it out, that's why we can say Jesus has always existed because he's always been the word of God. He, God just put flesh on it and said, you know what? I want them to know how much I really love them. And I'm going to put flesh on my word, send it to earth. And he's going to live a perfect life. And he's going to go to that cross. And he's going to carry the sins of filthy people because I love them that much. So that they can be clean, that they can have no more shame, no more no more. Uh, destruction, no more death. I'm going to take it all on my own shoulders because I love him that much. That's what Christmas is all about. He is the image of the invisible God. Verse 17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Hebrews 1.3 says it this way. It says, he, Jesus, is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. You know God's word is living in you right now? You know you would fall apart if God's word ceased to be in your life. That's what it means when he sustains all things. When you are running from Jesus, when you're running the opposite way, when you have not put him in the center of your life, you know why it creates this dissonance? You know why things just don't feel right? It's because you're running away from the very thing that sustains you. You have to put Jesus at the center of your life and things will start clicking. Colossians asks us the question, have you done that? Have you made God supreme in your life? Have you said, Lord, it's your job to be in the center? Now help me to keep you there. Now, if you're like me, you like steps. You like how, okay, Pastor Micah, that's great. I know I got to put Jesus in the center of my life, but how do I do it practically? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you really three quick ways you can practically do this in 2024 to put Jesus at the center of your life, and you're going to have an amazing year. Please hear me, church. 2024, I believe, is going to be a rocky, rocky road for the world, just like 2020 was. 
2024 is going to bring a lot of unrest. It's going to bring a lot of chaos. But if you make Jesus the center of your life, you will be like a house built on a firm foundation. But you got to put him here. You got to put him here. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Maybe you're sitting here today. You say, man, my life feels like I'm falling apart, Micah. Well, I'm glad you're here. Because now you're going to hear how to make, your, make sure that your life stays held together. And it's not going to be on your own strength. It's not going to be by putting any of these other things in the center. It's going to be by this awesome God being right here in the center of your life. So, so we've got three steps to put Jesus in the center of your life this 2024. So step one, invite Jesus back into the rightful place, the center of, of my life. Jesus is a gentleman. God is a gentleman. He's, he gives you free will. He's always given people free will. From the moment in the Garden of Eden when, when God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden, you know what that was? It was the gift of free will. He doesn't want you to be a robot. He wants you to love him on your own. He wants you to reach out to him because he's reached out to you. But it's your choice. You have a right to choose him and you also have a right to walk away from him. Now it will break his heart. And he knows what's going to be best for you, and, it, and he understands he is best for you. And so he's desperately knocking at the door of your heart saying, let me in, because I love you that much, and it's going to go great for you when, I, when you let me in. But you have to be the one to invite him into the center of your life. If you've never done that, it's very easy. All you got to do is say, Lord, I give you permission to come into my heart. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me with the blood of Jesus. And you know what the Bible says? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that he is the Son of God, then you are now part of the kingdom of God. That's how easy it is. But you've got to invite him in. You've got to choose Jesus. Give him the authority to be what Colossians says, the supreme ruler, the leader of your, of your life. Number two, involve him in every area of your life. Involve them in every area. Now, this, again, this is really easy to, to do all of this, to have your work, to have your family, to have your success, and to say, well, Jesus is just over here, and, you know, I come to him on Sunday, but, you know, the rest of my life, i got to figure this out myself. No, no, no. God wants to be involved in every aspect. He doesn't want to be just your Sunday God. He wants to be your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, eight days a week God. And when you involve him in every aspect, he has the supreme knowledge to tell you which direction to go, to direct your steps, to make things just click, to open doors that you thought were not possible to be opened. Well, there's a God who created those doors, and he can open them when he wants to. Wouldn't it be amazing to be able to hear the voice of the Lord? Like, have you ever just thought, like, I just want to, if I could just talk to God right now and I could hear him, just as I'm hearing you, Pastor Mike, wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't you just like to have that bat phone in your back closet where you could just pick it up and be like, all right, God, tell me what to do here? You do. You do. You just have to involve him in your heart, in, every, in your day-to-day. We've got, a, we've got a cool conference coming up January 5th and 6th. If you want to come, it's, it's all about hearing the voice of the Lord. It's called our prophetic conference. And the prof, prophetic prophecy is just being able to hear God's voice and to be able to interpret what he's saying. We're going to teach you practically how to do that. Because when you can hear the voice of the Lord, it gets really exciting. You've got to involve him in every aspect. I'm going to tell you the story of a, of a lady who was driving through, uh, through Michigan on a, on a snowy winter 
uh, winter night. And she involved, she's involved God in every aspect of her life. So she's got good at hearing his voice. Well, she was driving by a 7-Eleven, and she, she hears the voice of the Lord say, go into that 7-Eleven, and, you, and if it's 7-Eleven, you guys remember 7-Elevens, they have the Slurpees? Remember that, right? You're thinking God's going to say, okay, go into that 7-Eleven and buy a Slurpee. That's not what God said. It was late at night. It was 1 o'clock in the morning. She drives by on a snowy night. She hears God say, go into that 7-Eleven and stand on your head. <laughs> what? That's, that's, that was her reaction. I love, I love when she's telling the story because her reaction was just that. What, Lord? Now, she has put Jesus in the center of her, of her life. When you put Jesus in the center of your life, hold on. It's going to be fun. He's going to ask you to do some, some crazy things sometimes, right? And she's like, this cannot, this has to be like the chicken I ate for dinner or something like that. This is not the voice of the Lord. And she drives by the 7-Eleven. Well, she drives by the 7-Eleven, she tells a story, and she's saying, I just could not keep going. The voice of the Lord just got louder in my spirit. She said, turn around and go back and stand on your head in that 7-Eleven. And she was like, what, Lord? No, this cannot be what you want me to do. But finally got so, her, the heart, her heartstrings were tugged so powerfully that she said, Fine. and she turned around her car and she said, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do this. And she goes into the 7-Eleven and she's thinking, okay, I'm just going to like go back into that corner. Like there certainly probably isn't too many people there. It's one o'clock in the morning. She, she pulls right up. She goes in the back, the clerk, she walks by the clerk. He's standing there. He sees her come in. No one else is in the store. She goes back to the far corner, you know, back by where all the beer and everything is, right? You know, back in that area. And, she's, and she gets down on her knees and does like a handstand, which that in itself is impressive, okay? Like, I just want to say, like, I could not do that. Lord know, the Lord knows my limitations. He would not ask me to stand on my head because I physically couldn't do it, right? But she obviously could. And she, she stands on her head just very quickly, just like, I mean, it was not a, I don't, she, the way she explains it, it wasn't like this beautiful handstand. It was literally probably more like, you know, okay, good. Okay, I'm good. I'm done. All right. And she, she walks back out. And as she's passing the clerk, the clerk says, excuse me, ma'am. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and she looks at the clerk, and she says, yes. <laughs> I just want to go home. That's <laughs> what she's saying. And he says, what were you doing back there? And she's like, oh, my goodness, Lord, what are you doing to me? She says, okay, well, you're probably you're going to think I'm crazy, but I hear the voice of the Lord. He told me to come in here and stand on my head. I'm sorry for interrupting your evening. Have a nice, have a nice night. And she began to walk out the door, just totally embarrassed. And as she said that, she, this young man starts to cry. And she stops and she looks at him and she says, are you okay? He pulls out a gun from underneath the counter. He puts it on the counter. He says, man, my life has been falling apart. I said to, I prayed a prayer. I said, God, if you're real, send somebody in here to stand on their head. Or else I'm going to take my life tonight. And you know what happened? She led that young man to the Lord and he put Jesus in the center of his heart. And his life has been radically changed ever since. But that's what happens when you put the God of all creation at the center of your heart. He does radical things. He transforms lives. He calls you to do things sometimes that you don't understand. But you get to see the awesome hand of an amazing God do awesome things through you. Because he loves you that much. And it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about a God who loves you and cares enough to pull you into partnership with him so that you can go do things like stand on your head in the 7-Eleven on a cold winter night in Michigan. <laughs> I don't know if that will be your testimony, but it was somebody's testimony. 
What will yours be? Involve him in every aspect of your life. And then finally, number three, ignite a fresh passion to know him more. How do you do this? I, I understand. This is hard. Sometimes it feels like you're going through valleys in your faith. Sometimes it feels like God's not there. And you're like, Lord, do you even hear? Are you there? Is this real? Well, here's what we want to encourage you to do at Life Church. Take the one-year challenge. Take the one-year challenge. What does that mean? It means go all in for, give me one year. That's all I'm asking. Do, what, do everything we tell you to do. Get involved. Do the one-year challenge. If by the end of this one year, your life has not drastically changed for the positive, I will go to wherever you, whatever church you want to go to, I will go there with you, okay? But I promise you, I, I have never seen any, any one person take the one-year challenge and come back at the end of the year saying, oh, that didn't work. Do you know why? Because God's word doesn't return void. When you give him the center of your heart, it does amazing things. It's the best New Year's resolution you could ever make. 10,000 years from now, you're going to be somewhere. You're going to be sitting somewhere, singing something, thinking something. Now, it may be in the, in the pit, pit of hell, and I pray it's not. Or it's going to be in all of glory with the King of Kings. Those are your two choices. That's where you're going to be. One of those two places. And I pray it's in glory. And you'll think back, you'll say, man, when I put the King of Kings in the center of my life, it changed everything, even 10,000 years of change. You're not just going to be alive for 100 years. I hope you know that. You're going to be alive for, like, you're eternal. You're going to be alive forever now. God created you, but you ain't dying. Your spirit's going on to live. And I pray that you look back at 2023 Christmas, you say, you know what? I heard about putting Jesus at the center of my life. And 10,000 years from now, we can all celebrate that and say, isn't that awesome? Look what God's done. Look how he called us to stand on our heads. <laughs> and look at the glory God has shown the whole world through what he's done through me, through you, through Life Church, through your children and your children's children. It'll be a, it'll be a legacy of blessings for generations to come because you put Jesus at the center. Make this your 2024 prayer. Just the prayer, you can just get up every morning and say, Lord, name of Jesus, I, I invite you to take your rightful place at the center of my life. I give you permission to be involved in every aspect of my life. Would you please ignite in me a fresh passion to know you more in 2024? Just pray that prayer. You know, God will figure out how to make all of that happen. All you got to do is just pray this. Or pray something like that. Wake up every morning and say, Lord, today's, today's your day. Be with me today. I, I give you the rightful place of, as Lord on the throne of my heart. If that's your prayer, I promise you, one year from now, you're going to be smiling. There's going to be so much joy in your heart. You're going you're to celebrate what God has done. Now, it doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. But it does mean it's going to be joy-filled, abundant, and full of blessings. And that's, the, that's because God loves you. But you got to put him at the center. you got to make him Lord of your life. And that's what Jesus at the center means. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.